So what do you think about uh, work-life balance, Karen? It's tough. Yeah, one of those things. I mean, it's like you're working, but you're tired, but you want to do other stuff. I mean, how do you make it all work? Practice. I don't know. Practice. Try the Doctor Strange method of, uh, you know, using some astral projection to try to get stuff done. I don't know. Or you can use like your sling ring and move around from meeting to meeting, just going through like different passageways and stuff. Wouldn't that be nice? That would be so <laughs> cool. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not how it works. Yeah, no, I think we have uh, even more superpowers as public servants. I mean, you know, I wouldn't say we have more superpowers, but we, we have to be a little bit creative, I think, in trying to manage everything. Well, if you want a little bit more creativity to manage everything, this is the show for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is GovGeeks Assemble. Level up your 9 to 5 on 95. I'm Javier. And I'm Karen. And, of course, together we are the, the GovGeeks. Gov we come to you live every Thursday to talk a little bit about getting in and getting ahead in government. And in today's show, we're talking about a very important subject, work-life balance. Yes, we've had many listeners mentioned that this is something that's important to them, something that motivates them. So we wanted to do a show to touch on the topic. Absolutely. And of course, thank you so much to everyone that reached out with this topic idea. Uh, we put together a couple of ideas that have not only worked in our careers and our lives, but also are good standards of practice that we think you can find very valuable as well. So Karen, before we dive into all of those strategies, what would you say work-life balance actually is? So I think it's a misconception that work-life balance means everything is balanced at home and everything is balanced at work and everything is wonderful. The kids get off to school. They're doing well with their schoolwork. They all have their lunches made. And then you're at work. You're doing great, getting promotion after promotion, getting all of your work done. I think that's the misconception. Hmm. Work-life balance often means sometimes work gets a higher priority versus home mm -hmm. occasionally, right? You can't always have it that way because that's when things start to go off kilter. But occasionally, you know, if you have a big project, maybe you have to stay later at work and somebody else has to help take care of the kids and get them ready for bed and all of that, where then the next time family swings up again. Right. And so it's the balance of those two parts of your life. Oh, of course. Yeah. And then also your own health and wellness as well. So even if you don't have kids or you're not in a relationship, still taking time for yourself, allowing yourself to connect with others in a way that's meaningful for you, taking vacations, things like that. But, you know, I think one of the bigger things that you really touched on is the idea that there is no one way. I think there is only one individual and they have 100% of the time that is allotted to them because eventually all of us just like pass out from exhaustion <laughs> at some point. So our resources for time is so finite. So there is only 100%. For some people, it could be that 70% of work and 30% life is what they really care about because they're dedicating themselves to that. Other people are like, well, you know, I only uh, work to live. I don't live to work. I really enjoy my time outside of the nine to five. 
And so I want to be able to have 30% of my life dedicated to this work and really, hey, my kids are only young once, or I only am able to run this triathlon uh, at this stage in my life. And so I want to be able to dedicate myself to do that. It's, it's different for everyone, I guess. Yeah, absolutely different for everyone. What is good for you may not be good for somebody else. And I think that's something to remember as a team member, as a supervisor, to make sure that you understand those motivations and those, um, you know, desires as far as work-life balance. Oh, of course. And, you know, communicating those to everyone else as well, because, I mean, is your supervisor supposed to know what for you work-life balance really means, what your priorities are? I mean, should they just look at you and like, ah, I know exactly what's going to work for you and design your whole like work life around that. Right. Or just because my priorities align a certain way, I'm just going to assume that yours align or should align the exact same way, which that's, you know, shouldn't be the case. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's back to uh, what was it? Not the golden rule, but the platinum, platinum rule, mm -hmm. right? Uh, treat others as they would like to be treated rather than as you would like to be treated. It's that degree of empathy. So I, I think having that uh, aspect is really important to understand where we are in this conversation moving forward for today with uh, work-life balance. It's all about figuring out what is right for you and what is possible in your life as well. Okay, so we have three strategies, Karen. What's the first one? So the first <clears throat> one is set expectations. Right. Set expectations. So um, I think this is also really important, like in, in the workplace, uh, if you are going to have timelines, if there's deliverables, hard stops. Uh, I've worked with this one great person for a number of years who was just brilliant at this idea. He was very clear about expectations, about what a stop time was for him and why he needed to leave. So in speaking with his boss, colleagues and others, he would say, you know, look, I have to leave at this time in order to do these things with my kids or with my family or to catch the train, et cetera. Um, and very clear about the expectations with that. So, hey, I need you to work on this project. Okay, I'm happy to do blank and blank. I can pick up more on this later on if you need to, but I, I, I need to leave at this time. And so it was just kind of like a, an ongoing negotiation about what could be done and really setting expectations around that. Right. And as long as you're meeting those expectations for your projects, mm -hmm. as well as whatever other expectations are set for you, then I think that's definitely doable. Yeah. And I think a, a good manager would know uh, based upon those expectations and what their parameters are, their availability and their team's availability, how they could create work streams and products to allow them to kind of work within all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all about that communication, collaboration, et cetera, uh, to make things um, kind of work. Um, Karen, another one is meeting agendas. And I know that you run a whole lot of meetings and you're able to get a lot done and a lot accomplished. Um, what are some tips for people to set expectations by using meeting agendas? Well, me meeting agendas help you understand what you all are going to be talking about, first of all, and to help keep the meeting on track and taking the meeting notes, um, which oftentimes, you know, there's another person in the group that takes the meeting notes so that that can be sent out later. Mm -hmm. So then those who cannot attend will be able to still get an understanding of what um, the announcements were. So I think it's it's just making sure that 
you're capturing the the do outs as well mm -hmm. if any do outs come from the meeting so that you can follow up on that after the meeting's over right we're, we're meeting to discuss these specific things these individuals are going to be talking about these issues. Here are the expectations for the people to come prepared for those certain activities to provide all of that stuff. Uh, and then really adhere to the agenda to allow people to know and expect and manage their work requirements so that you're not sitting there and the meeting just goes on and on. And then it you know, goes over its end time. And then that spills into another meeting. Uh, and then another person has only a short bit of time to work on a project because they were stuck in the other meetings. And then all of a sudden it comes down to five o'clock where the person needs to log off, but the expectations weren't set up and the communication of that individual's needs weren't really expressed. And then, you know, obviously they'd be a little perturbed because they couldn't leave on time to go do whatever the work-life balance item was for them. And then that could lead to more issues for everyone. True. And I think it's easier said than done and agendas do help, but sometimes you're overcome by events. Sometimes there's a priority that comes up and it pushes everything to the side. So yeah. I think it's just, it's also trying to be adaptable and flexible um, where, where you can be. And I think that's definitely important in the line of work that we are in, especially at the end of the fiscal year or, you know, something right. like that where, you know, you could have crazy hours and doing a lot of different things. So yes, to have those expectations, but also when you are hiring for these positions, lay out those expectations where there could be a certain time of year where we might have to do a little bit more. And maybe there can be some flexibility about working during the weekends or, mm -hmm. you know, something else to, to be a little bit more flexible to allow for that, let's say four o'clock departure time or things like that. So right. how you can work around those types of schedules. But agendas do help to keep everybody on the same page and it's adhering to those agendas that can sometimes be <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah, and, and then that's where, you know, good collaboration and discussion. You know, I really value that this is a discussion that's important to you. I concur. Uh, let's uh, side table this one so we can have a uh, give it the, the credit that it's due. We can talk offline uh, so you're not derailing the conversation. Makes me think of the, what is it, a conference call bingo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We Let's take this offline. Oh, we'll take that offline. I got that one. Wait, Bingo. I, I think you're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the bigger things that you mentioned, though, is just about the bigger context about expectations for the position. So, you know, for sure, for instance, the end of the fiscal year, that there are a lot of requirements and you're setting those expectations with your team or in the workplace, setting the expectations with yourself or even with your family as well to say, you know, look guys, this is gonna be the busy time uh, for me. Uh, I'm gonna be able to come and work on these different projects, but it's only gonna be for this time period because of these things. And then that's the collaboration on the family side as well. So there's this this partnership that's there. Oh yeah, that, I mean, I we do that all the time, right? Where I'll say, okay, I'm coming home. However, just I will have to work when I get home, but it's okay. At least I'll be home. Exactly. So it's laying those expectations not only with your coworkers, with your supervisor, with your team members, but also with your 
loved ones, yeah. friends, family. And then we can think, well, what are the ways to manage around that? Okay, so if we're only going to have an available amount of time, um, let's go ahead and order food or let's kind of prepare, you know, this type of a meal for dinner. So you're still getting the things that you really care about, but you are working with one another, having that type of communication up front as well. Um, and one of the bigger points to really get across is there are certain positions that require the use of that flexibility, the requirements of, you know, staying late, working on the weekends, those jobs do exist. And if that is really something that contradicts what your values are, that, you know, I want to only have 30% of my time dedicated to work and the other 70% that I'm really giving, you know, to this other area, well, then maybe you have to ask yourself a bigger question. Is this the right job for me? Is this, is this the right uh, profession or the right field? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's other things that you are much more, uh, of course, qualified for, a good fit for, and it's also a good fit in, in your career at that time. Because you can be in one position, you can leave that one, go and do another type of position, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, the work still needs to get done, so that we're gonna find someone to do the work. I mean, that's the whole point, like government operations has to continue. But if you know for sure, like for you, the expectations for yourself, what you want, you, you're empowered to make those decisions. Absolutely. And that's why we talk so much about it during the interview process. This is the time to hash those things out, right. not when you're in the position and you feel stuck. And now you're like, oh, the boss wants me to come in on the weekends and work all these hours. Right. And then it's like, well, did you ask those types of questions in the beginning? before you took the position to make sure that, you know, the job and the culture aligned with what you're looking for. Yeah. Same thing with the hiring manager. It's not manager. just the pay. It's not just the pay. And the hiring manager should be pretty frank about all of that stuff as well. So if you're out there and you're trying to find the perfect qualified candidate for something, it's not just about finding the perfect person with that skill set, but would they work in the culture of the organization? Staying late, working weekends, you know, whatever the dynamics are. Being up front allows everyone involved to be at that point where, hey, we're all on the same page here. I told you when the job came up that we would have to do this and this is what it would look like. You said this and this, and here we are now. <laughs> so being honest with them, being honest with yourself. I mean, gosh, that that's, I think, the main thing, setting expectations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Karen, what, what's your, your big uh, idea about like setting expectations? Like for you, what is your go-to strategy to help set expectations with others or even with yourself or, or with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's communication. We have to have that communication of what we expect. So even throughout the week, right? Like I know I'll tell you, okay, for this week, I need to go here. This is what my schedule looks like. So that come, you know, Wednesday, you're not like, where are you going? What's happening? I thought we were going to do this and, you know, trying and we have the calendar. Exactly. Right? I was just going to say, we have a shared calendar where all of the information is just readily available right on the cell phone. So we know for sure, you know, Hey, we had this thing scheduled. Here's what we're doing. You know, I needed to do this and we needed the car for that. Or we had scheduled this to happen. Absolutely. Right. And we even do it with, um, you know, our children where we're like, it's not on the calendar. Now they're throwing that back in our face now too, right? When they're saying, well, it wasn't on the calendar. And we look, we're like, oh. Totally right. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Exactly. We laid out those expectations. We weren't meeting them ourselves and we definitely got called out on it. And that's, that's a part of it. Which is fine. 
it's totally fine. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, there's uh, opportunities to really be flexible with the needs and all of that stuff where you could reach out and say, Hey, I realized that this was what we had agreed to. This has come up. This is what I would need in order for us to get through this. Can you help me by doing X, Y, Z, you know, can we do this this time instead? Those sorts of discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot there in that whole idea about setting expectations. I don't know. Maybe we can do a whole separate video on like how great expectations. Great. You're so good. <laughs> how to set great expectations yeah. <laughs> and live up to them, too. Mm -hmm. OK, so what's the second strategy? So the second one is to define what you want. Oh, big time. Yeah. How can another person give you what you're looking for if you don't even know what you want yourself? or you haven't even defined the characteristics of what that is. Yeah. You know, if you go to the restaurant and you order something, there's typically like the name of it and then a description of what the food is. So, you know, for sure, this is what you're getting. And if you're like, no, uh, I don't want any onions or I'm allergic to, you know, this or that, you can tell them to help define what you want so that when you get your order, you actually enjoy your food. Right. right. I usually start off with, well, I know what I, don't want. <laughs> and so that sometimes is a strategy, but yeah. Yeah. But defining what you want, I mean, we could look at um, like family, friends, traveling, you know, how is it that you're designing your life? One of the interesting things that I've always heard about with happiness is the ability that we control our happiness and the decisions we make either adds to or detracts from our degree of happiness. Um, so I, I've known plenty of people, for instance, who downsize their lifestyle so that they're not paying so much for either a mortgage or cars or other things. And then they use that extra money to do the things that they wanted to do. Uh, I mean, if it's investing, building a business, traveling, uh, paying for tuition uh, for others, or you know, if they're like, I really want to go back to school. Um, I've known people that have decided they wanted to retire early. So this way they can dedicate themselves to going to a graduate program and really getting the most out of it. But it's really defining what they want in order for them to have that work-life balance. Because then you could say, this is what I don't want. If you know for sure that, you know, hey, this is going to be a great job. It's going to pay a lot of money, but it's going to take more than it gives. Mm -hmm. Well, is it even really worth it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing about this is you want to reassess these every so often because we grow and we change in our positions in life. And sometimes, you know, our wants are different throughout our life cycle. So as we're a young career um, professional, you know, may not have children, may not have a lot of, you know, extracurriculars to have to tend to, but maybe you, you're going to school. Right. So you, you have that type of flexibility that you're looking for. And then as you grow older, then you have, you know, family and kids possibly. And, you know, that that's a different type of, you know, priority that you have. And then as you the kids get out of the house and then you you want to travel and do other things outside of um, work, then mm -hmm. that that also changes. So I it think definitely does. You want to make sure that you are being um, flexible within your career and adjusting how you handle your priorities as you go through it. And maybe what job was great for you when you first started with the long hours um, may You're not be. exhilarated. You're excited about the work. Yeah. But maybe later on, it's not what you wanted. 
And, and then also, heck, you can even go into a position uh, or a, a desire in your, your home life balance as well. And then you experience a little bit of it and you realize, I, I really don't want this. I thought that I did. I, I thought, you know, gosh, I, I went to school for this. I prepared for this. I did internships in this. And now that I'm here doing it, I really don't like it. Now, now I've gained this bigger perspective. And at that point, that, that's okay. You can still change. Because uh, there, there's so many stories um, that we've had when working with our clients and giving presentations where we hear stories about some people who had that initial thing happen to them. And then they figure, well, I invested all this time and money in order to get this degree or to get this position. I might as well just stick suck it out, up. suck <laughs> it up. Yeah, it's going to get better. I'm going to get happier. Well, what happens if you don't? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the, I, I love the idea that when you decide to make the change, you're not starting over. You're starting with experience. And you're, uh, you're armed with the idea about what you want and what you don't want. So you can have fulfillment in a way that others who are trying to figure things out for the first time don't have. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's always a, a great thing as well. Um, so Karen, like, how do you go about defining really what, what you want? What, what are some of the questions that you ask yourself and like reflecting and journaling and all that stuff? How, how do you know for sure? Well, I think you've gone into our third strategy already with that. <laughs> so to segue to that, um, <laughs> the third part of the strategy is to monitor progress. Right. Monitor your progress. Well, um, okay. So what does it mean to monitor progress? So to monitor progress just means like what you were saying. You have journaling, reflections to kind of take an assessment of where you are in your career. If you are enjoying what you're working on, um, if you're finding that the schedule is too much of a struggle, if you're finding that you know you're not able to accomplish what you need to within the workday, um, maybe that's when you want to reflect and see. Well, what is the underlying factor? Is it has the job changed at all, mm. or? You know, maybe because I have different priorities, I'm spending that 30, 70, and maybe I'm not able to accomplish the large amount of work that I'm supposed to do. So which that that's, you know, that's a possibility. And you need to see if that's something that you want to spend more time to devote to, to get your tasks accomplished. But if not, if that means that you're you're not willing to compromise and go that 40, 50 percent amount of the time, then then you want to start looking into, well, what do I need to do to have that amount of time but still be able to do my work? Right. So does that mean I start looking at other positions? Is there, you know, some other way that I can talk to my boss and maybe figure out a happy medium? You know, what what could the future hold so yeah and there, there's lots of potential with that i mean what happens if you know you convey to your your boss that you're having these challenges you need support in these areas okay what about a detailee that can come in and help with some things uh, is it possible to have a, a contractor support to help kind of fill in some of the gaps in some of the areas that are a little bit more challenging right taking more of an oversight role bringing somebody else in where they can help with the tasks but you're still having that oversight in that position. Exactly. I mean, there's there's lots of options that are there as well. Uh, I mean, do you need a time of absence? 
Do you I need to take more or leave or vacation? Do you need a detail yourself in order to try to go and get different experiences along the way? You know, I, I think for me, um, it's having the idea about key performance indicators and key risk indicators. And this just might be a risk management kind of talking, but performance indicators. Well, what is it that is happening around you that is an indicator that things are going well? That, that you're happy about stuff? What are the things that are kind of like signs or signals that, that you're doing great? Um, you know, one of the things that I, I tend to think about as well is how, how energetic am I feeling? Uh, do I recognize in myself that I'm a little bit more tired, a little bit more frustrated? Do these things start to occur more and more? Or do I feel more enthused, energized, excited about certain topics? What are the areas that are really kind of good? And then thinking about like risk indicators as well. Okay, so how often of this work week am I showing up at home later than I expected? How often are there expectations that are placed upon me from my boss or supervisor that is now kind of pushing things a little bit more? I mean, is this a new normal or is this just, you know, it happens to be a challenging time or a busy season? Uh, rather than eventually you kind of wake up one morning and you're sitting there going like, how did I get here? What what happened? <laughs> you know, I didn't expect to be doing this type of work, you know, for this long. Um, and then you kind of feel a little bit more, you know, lost along the way. So, yeah. What was it that Ferris Bueller said? If you don't stop to look around every once in a while, you could miss it. Yeah, I was funny because I was thinking about that. Life moves pretty fast. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be the, the Cameron or do you want to be the Ferris Bueller? <laughs> exactly. I think we all love Ferris Bueller. <laughs> That's good stuff. Um, okay. So yeah, those are those three strategies. Uh, again, it was setting expectations, um, defining what you want, and then lastly, monitoring your progress along the way. I, I think all of those work well together. Um, well, we have just about five minutes left for some questions from the GovGeekdom. Uh, thank you all so much for going out to the GovGeeks.com, submitting questions during our sessions and reaching out to us on social media, all of that stuff. So we have two questions for us today. Um, Karen, what's the first one? So the first one is, how do I build my network without feeling bad? Mm. Feeling bad, almost like you're trying to take advantage of someone. Yeah, well, I, I think it's all about being um, value-based and partnership-based. So if you're going into it talking about things that you're excited about, building relationships. I mean, we talked about this uh, yesterday. Uh, we have our a Wednesday show, our nine-part series that we do on networking, uh, where we talked a little bit about that. Um, so, I mean, what, what's so important about like relationship building for networking for you? Well, for me, that is my networking, it seems, as I've reflected on it. A lot of times my networking is just building relationships with different people I've worked with or have had interactions with at different organizations, associations, or, you know, volunteering. So I think it's really building those types of relationships that then it becomes my network. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that that's very helpful, too. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, 
like a lot of our friendships that we still have to this day were because of um, networking and working with colleagues who eventually became very, very good friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I mean, we've gone to their weddings. <laughs> They've seen different uh, life changes for us here and you know our family as well. So there's, there's a lot there. So as long as you're looking at it in terms of value-based and relationship-based rather than, you know, exchanges, you know, what if I give them this, will they give me that mm -hmm. sort of a deal? I, I think that's certainly the thing. Uh, okay, so what's the second question? So the second question is, how do I write a good elevator speech? Well, first off, what is an elevator speech? So an elevator speech is just like a 30-second snippet of anything. But I think in this context, let's say it could be as you're going to a networking event, you know, you always get the question, well, what do you do? What are you looking to do? Mm -hmm. You can have your own elevator speech for answering your your why, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you do what you do? What do you work on? What do you plan to do in the future? Well, it sounds like writing a good elevator speech is first having the answer for all of those those items in, in your own mind. So if you're gonna phrase it very succinctly, well, why is it that you're doing this? What is it that you're looking for? What uh, background, skill sets, experiences, et cetera, do you have that would allow you to be able to accomplish something like that? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, it's basically getting an individual to have just enough information and just enough interest to want to hear more. So they understand it and they want a little bit more. It's kind of like the uh, the teaser for something, but mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's informative and it's also engaging as well. Right, and you want them to remember you so that let's say if an opportunity comes up and they can say, oh, I remember meeting this guy with a, well, he's not wearing a bow tie today, but. <laughs> I yeah, I, mean, I feel a little weird with that one. <laughs> that, that, that kooky guy with the bow tie and right. glasses. The crazy floppy haired guy. <laughs> right, so that you can be memorable so that people want to stay in contact with you and continue to build that relationship. Absolutely, yeah, I, I think those are the things that are, that are really important. Well, there you go. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this show this week. We talked a little bit about how to build work-life balance. There might be some themes and areas that we'll connect upon again later on, uh, but we really appreciate you coming out. Again, we get together every Thursday at uh, six o'clock Eastern to talk again about getting in and getting ahead in government. This is GovGeeks Assemble, level up your nine to five on 95. Please feel free to come out to the GovGeeks.com if you have any questions. Um, register for a couple of our events and our shows that we have coming up here soon as well. Um, Karen, what is your uh, what are your closing thoughts? Everybody has different struggles and priorities that they're dealing with. So there's a way to try to manage all that is important in your life. So build those relationships so that we can all help each other to try to achieve that work-life balance. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for your service. Thank you.